Now, I did grow up in a stereotypical Italian, okay. Italian Catholic uh, background where there'd be a picture of Sinatra, the Pope, and the Last Supper in that order. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Uh, joining me today, we're getting off the Bruce bandwagon, but he will come up as he normally does. Uh, a couple months ago, uh, Brian uh, had me on his podcast, and we had a great time, and so I asked Brian if he would return the favor, and he did. So, Brian, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, so tell my audience a little about yourself. Well, I, um, the whole elevator pitch, I suppose. Yes. Um, well, I, I, I do work full-time, uh, boring uh, insurance adjuster job, and I, I do enjoy music. Uh, music is something that, that definitely brings uh, joy in my life. All all sorts of music, yeah. um, arts, culture, and, and whatnot. Um, I I am passionate about a lot of mental health issues, as as I, as you may have gathered from our uh, visit on my podcast. Um, so just I, I enjoy just learning more, discovering more, yeah. just seeing what what makes me tick. That kind and of what's thing. the name of your podcast again? Uh, mental health film comment. Okay. Not not a very uh, creative name, but it just kind of fit the fit fit the purpose of it. Yeah, and so what a lot of times is you will you will talk mental health issues and combined with pop culture. For example, exactly. we talked uh, "Blind by the Light." Uh, we touched a little bit on "Love and Mercy" when we were on, and so uh, yeah, and it was a lot of fun. So what? Before I get to your early background, what what drove you to do that kind of podcast? What what was the uh, you know your origin story? Why did you decide to start talking about this? I'm not sure. Well, to be honest with you, um, there have been some times when I've been watching various different movies, and I'm watching the movie, and I think there should be a podcast for people to talk about this movie because. I was I was watching, and I'll be first, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I was watching this movie, the effect of gamma rays on Man in the Moon Miracles. Okay. Watching this movie, yeah. which by the way is an amazing movie, if you may have to seek it out because it I, okay. it's. I don't think I've know, ever seen it. And it's out of print. I don't know why it's out of, but it's an amazing movie with uh, Joanne Woodward, who's okay. you know, more well known as as Paul Newman's. A wife, but basically a, a mother who is, she's got issues, you know, for lack okay. of a better word. And the story is about her, her, you know, her and her daughters, and just what what they, you know, a, a day in the life, so to speak. And okay. I remember watching the, the, this movie, which didn't have a, a commentary track. A lot of uh, boutique DVDs, for lack of a better word, 
because a lot of people don't don't really do dvds and blu-rays anymore so there is right. somewhat of a you know specialized market for that now yeah uh man in the moon miracle being one such dvd which didn't have a lot of bells and whistles on the dvd i wish it would have and, and i believe that the film is based on a play which accounts okay. for probably some of the dialogue and backstory of, of, of the movie but i remember watching this dvd that i had on and and it just i was watching it and just the the joanne woodward character in this film and and it's no no coincidence that she is she seems to be in so many movies that are just amazing movies that nobody like they might be giants there's a band they might be giants of people yeah you know um that 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 band name was named after movie they might be giants with joanne woodward and uh george c scott where she it's kind of like a um a, a sherlock holmes sort of story and right but not she was also in obviously the three faces of eve you know the the precursor to uh, movies like, like Sybil and mm-hmm. uh, successor to movie like The Snake Pit. So, so Three Faces of Eve. Uh, she was in the uh, Sound and the Fury, which is essentially an unfilmable book. Basically, I'm not sure if you've ever read it or attempted no, to. No, I haven't. It. But um, yeah. you're not missing a lot. Okay. <laughs> she was one of the good things about the film, but just example after example of movies that um, are obviously out of, I don't want to say out of circulation because they're not, but yet they're not going to be streaming on Netflix. I wish they yeah. would be, but but they're not. But th- that's kind of what piqued my interest. And also okay. this was going on at the same time that last uh, year, um, last calendar year, have to just kind of like stop and pauses. Right. Pause. But, but there, I believe last year there was on either Netflix or Hulu, there was a, there was an update of what flew over the cuckoo's nest, mm-hmm. which, you know, the, the nurse ratchet series, which for me, there are many people who, who like one flew over the cuckoo's nest, be it the book or the film. I am of the opinion that One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and all variations of it is probably the greatest source of a lot of negative stigma and stereotype about mental illness. Okay. Because you hear that, and, 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 a, and it's a good movie. I'm not going to deny it's a good movie. I mean, it, it's one of the few movies to win all, you know, top yeah, four exactly you know, I, I believe silence of the lambs and uh capro's movie uh it happened one night being the others yeah but I, th- as far as it relates to mental health and and mental illness issues if people hear mental illness and they immediately go to jack nicholson in the film and and nurse ratchet uh, you know, I don't know if that's testament to how well the movie is or if there's a, such an immediate go-to, but I think yeah. that that movie in many ways is basically the, the, the birth of a nation of mental health movies because it's nobody, nobody, you know, if the, if the book had just been left as a book and they hadn't made a movie, you know, and again, I, I, I'm sure that's blasphemy to a lot of uh, <laughs> A lot of people who like the movie, but I I probably wouldn't have a problem with it. But the fact that the movie was made, um, you know, and like I said, a good movie. I'm not I'm not I'm not knocking the movie, um, but I am knocking how it's become like shorthand 
for mental illness in our culture. Nobody talks about the snake pit with um, Olivia de Havilland. Amazing, amazing movie. Nobody talks about Three Faces of Eve with Joanne Woodward. Nobody talks about Sybil with uh, Sally Field. Uh, nobody, you know, just example after example, nobody talks about those. They all want to talk about what flew over the cuckoo's nest. Mm-hmm. And that's just so, so annoying for so many different reasons. You know, number, yeah. you know, primary reason being that if it becomes a stereotype and it becomes like the, the, the most immediate shorthand for a lot of, you know, whether it's schizophrenia, whether it's bipolar, whether it's, you know, you know, whatever diagnosis or whatever condition mm-hmm. that's not a good thing by any stretch of the imagination because you're always equating that person and that um you know condition or disorder with jack nicholson and with nurse ratchet right you're you're always equating it with whatever you saw in a movie well and and i do think there is a stereotype that um and it's a very convenient trope is that if you're in in some kind of mental hospital um the aides are all dressed uh, in white and they're cruel and they're uncaring and they're you know because that's a good trope for a spy movie right or a, yeah. a suspense movie and um and i know that's that has to be frustrating for people that do work at care facilities that care a hundred percent and and have good hearts and are doing something especially during this pandemic where they were putting themselves at risk um a great risk during covid so yeah and and i do think that you can separate you can separate art from reality and that's what sometimes you 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 tend to think like this is um the like police movies, right? Like the majority of officers never take their gun. You know, they never fire their gun. Um, actual in the field um, is, a, you know, is a number I've heard before. But if you watch TV, uh, you know, or movies, it's, it's a totally different thing. So um, I think that's a really good point to the reality of entertainment and the comparison of reality and entertainment and not to let one overshadow the other. That's an interesting. Exactly. You know, like I said, I mean, I'm not knocking one for the cuckoo's nest. And, yeah, and I'm sure. Not it's a good movie. Um, what I'm saying is that when it becomes just the, you know, the immediate shorthand yeah. for something going on that, that's what I have. Uh, that's what I think is problematic. And that is, I mean, a, as we're recording this, in fact, in the, um, and this will probably be past tense by, I don't, yeah. t- uh, podcast. Uh, is that okay to say on mic? Because I think pe- yeah. people listening might know this, but those yeah. who, um, you know, that's the, probably the dirty little secret of, of podcasting is when we're recording, it might be um, a month or two or, or three later. Well, yeah. In fact, I've, I've shared that with mine, Brian, you, you yeah. had not heard, you know, I um, recently went through some health issues. <laughs> and so... Um, the last live, the last set Lusting Bruce podcast I had recorded was like April 9th. <laughs> and then, but I had like eight podcasts in the can. So yeah. I was able to just keep new podcasts so much because my, my fear, and I've shared this with my audience, is that 
you worry you're not going to get a guest and so you won't be able to do a new episode every week right (laughs) so you you put them in the can as much as you can uh now then i have um pretty much wiped out my buffer yeah but um to be fair i'm I'm talking to you at nine this morning and I've got one at 10 this morning Yeah, uh, to, to try to book up a little bit again. Right. Yeah, so, absolutely. So, 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 yeah. so I'll mention this in, in, in past tense. Yeah. Uh, so in, I'm, I'm speaking in future tense, but it referring yeah. to the past tense. Very but timey-wimey. Directly. So um, as we're um, recording this, um, so I'll refer to this in the past tense in the New York city uh, mayor's race. Yeah. For example. Uh, one of the candidates stepped in it mm-hmm. big time, and I'm, I'm not going to. I'm going to leave you know the names okay. off so as to not uh, offend yeah. any any listeners who may be in the state of in the city of New York who might yeah. be participating in an election. But um, this one candidate, he just really stepped in it, and as it relates to, to you know mental illness issues, and there's yeah. another scenario, and oddly enough, it seems to be coast to coast in california in in the city of los angeles there has been an ongoing um and continuing discussions as far as homelessness mm-hmm. and you know um and 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 factoring in mental illness as it relates to homelessness and yeah so i just think so and a lot and so i mentioned that those two scenarios because they are both um scenarios in which there has been a lot of discourse um, founded in stereotypes and stigma and in both instances um, just a lot of dumb stuff that that's been um, you know bandied about absolutely so um, let's go back to the beginning so talk about where did you grow up and was there a lot of music played in your house where were your was your family musical Short answer would be no. Okay. They were they were dot. <laughs> they okay. were they were dot. Um, now I did grow up in a stereotypical Italian okay. Italian Catholic uh, background where there'd okay. be a picture of Sinatra, the Pope, and the Last Supper in that order. Right. That, that kind of household. So I did hear uh, Frank Sinatra growing up. I did hear, um, I'm not a big Dean Martin fan. I know that's probably going to add to a lot of listeners. No, no. I'm not, I'm not a big Dean Martin fan. Um, so on the whole Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin thing, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a big Jerry Lewis fan. So, but I'm not a Dean Martin fan. Um, but a lot, a lot of Sinatra. I did hear a lot of Sinatra growing up. Um, okay. But other than that, um, and, and my dad was really open about just simply not liking music, period, which okay. is, so I don't know how, how, how I developed it. If I, yeah. I certainly didn't hear it from him. Mm-hmm. My, my mom was slightly more interested in music because she, she was an exchange student when, when she was in, in school and had gone to Spain. And so I remember when I would hear, uh, there was a Madonna song, eighties uh, mm-hmm. era Madonna, not yeah. current era, Madonna, but eighties era Madonna, a lot, La, La Isla Bonita. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom would love that song. And then I tell her, Oh, by the way, that, that's Madonna. And my mom, my mom would go, Oh wait, I don't like it now. <laughs> <laughs> it was Madonna. So, <laughs> but, 
yeah without that strong musical influence where when you got junior high high school what was what kind of music did you listen to was it a lot oh, of this based on your friendships and you know yeah punk and indie rock um okay. i i i loved um when i was little one of my I forgot who it was like one of my mom's friends or one of my dad's friends had a ham radio okay and i had an interest for a while in ham radio and eventually shortwave radio shortwave radio for those who don't know and it's i don't say obsolete but it's a lot of its magic, for lack of a better word, has yeah. gone, you know, no comparison to the internet. So this is obviously right. great internet. Uh, shortwave radio, shortwave radio, which is basically similar to, you know, FM radio. And this is terrestrial radio we're talking about. Yeah. So on, on your radio dial, you've got FM, frequency modulation. So it's going to be like the, the 91, all the 91s and above are going to be the yeah. FM stations. The AM. Um, so shortwave radio is a, a method of transmitting radio waves and it's okay. typically done like for natural disasters when there's an emergency it's done yeah. for like inner inner you know um, it's gonna say interdimensional <laughs> but that would probably not be yeah. correct uh, but international broadcasting and I remember right. when I was little I would listen to John Peel in the BBC. John Peel was a, um, and I did, did not realize he, he, had, he had passed on only fairly recently in the last okay. 10, 15, maybe 20 years. Okay. I don't know if it's been that long. But this guy would be, he's basically the, the equivalent of like a Dick Clark in the US or a Wolfman okay. Jack or uh, there's, there's a DJ who's amazing in uh, California, Rodney on, on the rock, KROQ, okay. in, initially on KR. I don't think he's on KRQ anymore. Okay. But the um, John Peel would play anything and everything. He would play Motorhead, then he would yeah. play Led Zeppelin, then he would play a world beat music, then he would play, I mean, just everything imaginable he would play. Mm -hmm. And I remember the, the very first time I heard John Peel, on, and this was on shortwave radio. Yeah. I, I distinctly remember the first songs I heard. He played X, not the LA uh, punk band X, but he would okay. play X from Australia. Okay. He played a punk band called the Colorblind James Experience. All right. He played Helen Keller Plaid, which is obviously a, a distasteful band name, but apparently mm -hmm. there was a band name back then. He would play, um, st uh, not Steel, Steel Pulse, I think it was, reggae band. Okay. So he just all over the place. And what he, time period is this, Brian? 80s, like probably late okay. 80s. So very different than am or fm radio that you're hearing in the car going back and forth to school or something right i mean this Ex is exactly totally there, different exactly and there is a figure of speech and this would obviously be, be more pertinent to those in the u.s because our radios you know are, are yeah. governed by the fcc and our you know whatnot but there's a, there's a figure of speech left of the dial yes which means all the radio stations left of dial, meaning like the 88s and 991s, those are yeah. typically going to be the public 
broadcasting stations, right. which I, and I think that's still, I think it is still governed by the FCC that that's the case, but so anything left most of the dial, this is like, yeah. a, you know, a visual description of, of the dial is going to be like the classical stations, going to be the NPR stations. And those are typically the stations that are going to be what was conventionally called college radio or non-commercial radio, right? who played all the good music, you know, the, you know, back in the day, you know, the REMs or the Camper Van Beethoven's or the B-52, stuff like that, which is obviously somewhat of an obsolete term, but it's still kind of yeah. shorthand for like the cool stations. Um, I grew up in, um, you know, Phoenix area. There was no college radio station that you could listen to at home. Right. And so there would be, um, and that's kind of weird saying it now in 2021, that you'd be at the mercy of a college radio station to hear good music. And but that's so true. Yeah. I mean, that was the, you know, the especially, I don't want to be a cliche, right? But like, I know, like my high school was in the 70s. I graduated high school in 77. Yeah. So the AM station back then, a little more diverse because, um, you know, you would get pop crossover, you would get R&B, you would get, you know, country, you would get a, a wide range on AM radio. But as the 80s started and you get more and more corporate, and, and this is not necessarily a bad thing, it's just the nature of the business, <laughs> corporate radio began more and more going into segments which exactly. is what we totally are now i mean like if you own uh sirius xm you know you there is a channel for every every love if you are a grateful dead person there is a station that plays nothing but grateful dead you know i have e street radio which is springsteen you know um now they have a few they have you know like the 70s and 80s and 90s but you know there is yacht rock there is road trip yeah. radio there is yeah. these themes uh that you know and if you don't want diversity if you are into 70s jam, you know, or if you're into heavy metal, there is a channel that's going to play just that for you nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so true. Yeah. And I, and I still, I still love having, uh, you know, the Carpenters, huge, huge Carpenters fan. That's not what, that's not like the the yacht that I brought with me today, but yeah, um, stuff like that. And I, I just like the the freedom of you know, listening to, you know, the Carpenters and then, you know, something else and then something else, because that's the way in real life, you know, most people like that, you know, they have their preferences of what they'll yeah. you know, listen to or not. Right. But in real life, reality is you're going to listen to whatever the heck you want to listen to. Yes. And so I think the whole notion of like particular format is somewhat, I don't want to say outdated, but, but it sort of is. Yeah, I, I think you can, um, it, and I'm going to sound like old man, you know, good old days <laughs> syndrome, right? But there was something beautiful about this wide diversity and you wouldn't sure what you get. Yeah. And it sounds like the, the shortwave radio hitting into BBC, you know, as a, as a youngster, you know, a young teenager, you just got to, your palate was covered with all kinds of different mu musical genres. Yeah. And, and one thing that um, I'm still struck by is there are, and, and occasionally when, when I come across someone who, who is from England, 
I, you know, inevitably ask, oh, have you heard of John Peel? Yeah. And I am actually surprised that there are a lot of people um, who, who are from England who don't know who he is. Yeah. Because I had naturally, and as naive as it sounds, I naturally thought that he would have been as, you know, ubiquitous. Is that the right way to say that ubiquitous? It's one of the first you see like yeah. in writing, and then you try to say it, and you know if it sounds yeah. right. Um, as like a like a Ryan Seacrest or a Casey Kasem or a, or, yeah. a Wolfman yeah. Jack. Yeah, but that's not the case necessarily. Oh, how interesting! People in England who don't know who he is. That's interesting. So good. So, um, as what it sounds like, you have a diverse palette to this day, but is there a specific genre of music you tend to go to uh, on a regular basis? Or is there, and I've had other guests that do this that have had, well, when I'm in a mood to celebrate, I go to this kind of music. When I'm in the mood to be cheered up, I go to this kind of music. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about current day music. Um, current day, I, I, I do like, I mean, I literally really do like all sorts of music and, and I say that with any, you know, with with no, you know, qualifiers or exceptions of like, except for country, because I do like a lot of country. I think a lot of people would be surprised at how much, um, you know, people think Morgan, who's that guy, Morgan Waller, whoever, they think he's the face of country music. No, that is yeah. that is 100% false. Yeah. The face of country music in 2021 and 2022 is people like Breland. I think Breland is amazing. Yeah. Um, you get bands like uh, Chapel Heart, um, yeah. the three black women. I think they're from Louisiana, Mississippi. Uh, amazing, amazing music. And they've got um, the guy from ZZ Top who actually is on a couple of tracks. Um, so there's so much country music of color that no one really thinks about so i think a lot of country music today is just amazing i do like a lot of contemporary country um i i i if it actually let me do a quick qualifier sure of a non-qualifier i do not like and this would probably be my only except for is i don't like a lot of uh bro country yes that's maybe where I draw the line. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, I don't like, a, you know what I mean? And, and that's a very specific like subgenre, you know, the yes. ones where it's all talking about, um, yeah, I'm not sure what, but. Well, uh, the cliche, right, is we're going to talk about my truck. We're going to talk about getting yeah. drunk. We're going to talk about, you know. Yeah. Uh, and some, yeah. Of, some of the bro country I draw the line out, but the most part, there is so much country music that is just amazing. I mean, even the guy from Hootie and the Blowfish, who's yeah. been doing country for, you know, I don't know how long now. Yeah. At this point. And when people think it's just a bunch of old white guys and their pickups, you know, talking beer. Some of that's there still, obviously, yeah. unfortunately, but it is much, much more diverse. It's probably the most diverse genre at this point in 2021, I would say, probably more than any other. Um, at least that's my opinion. You know, yeah. I, I, I could be mistaken in that, but you know, people probably might want to dis- disagree no, with me no, or without. No, but I think that is by far. Um, the most, and again, we're, we're, we're recording this on, uh, on Juneteenth. Yes. Um, I got no, no doubt in my mind whatsoever that many of the Juneteenth celebrations going on in our country 
will a, a majority will be country music yes. <laughs> of artists of color. That's how much that that it's changed mm -hmm. since the you know the all all white guys era. Yeah, of country. I think so. I think there is a lot of that, and I think it'll be it's interesting. And um, you know, I loved the um, Ken Burns documentary on the history of country music i thought it was fascinating but i do agree with you there is a diversity there and and there's a diversity um across a lot of genres mm -hmm. that nowadays music that while the audience may be very segmented it seems like the artists themselves tend to go back and forth and be able to mix and match where you have you know people um you know and one of the things that, as it always does, it goes back to Bruce Springsteen. One of the things he's been doing for the past year is doing a radio show on Sirius XM. Every couple weeks, um, he'll do My Home to Yours, and he'll do roughly an hour, and he'll do a theme. And uh, this uh, last show was about old bones, and the theme was all songs about going old. But yeah, and yeah, like and and you know he'd uh, and he did everyone from you know he he played a huge diversity of artists playing that and so he's had you know uh, songs about you know the automobile and he's done hip hop and he's had you know country music and he's had folk and he's had rock and it's been interesting the amount of diversity he as an artist and he was being interviewed about it. And he said, that's one of the reasons I love doing the show is I figure out a theme and then I get to explore music that'll hit that theme and to hear different music, uh, which is kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, good. Well, um, so talk about some of your, uh, you know, you mentioned growing up loving punk and, and, you know, uh, a lot of rock and roll but talk to me maybe shows from stories from concert goings and you know talk to me about some of your best live experiences brian well i was not allowed to go to a lot of shows when i lived at home okay because obviously you know rock music being you know of the, the devil devil's and, music and yes. And, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, and i kid i mean that they were they weren't that 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 bad but yeah. um it was but still it, it was discouraged. Yes. Um, I would say, well, I, I did enjoy the, There were a few music festivals that I was able to get to just local, locally, okay. one, local ones um, at, at a water park where it was uh, camper van Beethoven and it was camper, camper van Beethoven after they had just been signed to a major label. So it's oh, that, nice. that time period, uh, red hot chili peppers, uh, Mary's Danish. They were nine. Okay. I want to say nine. 80s or 90s band i don't know if they're okay. still or, i don't think they're still i don't think they're still around but so it was like camper van beethoven mary stanish yeah um red hot chili peppers uh, a bunch of local bands um i really have always liked the local shows that okay. which is kind of ironic because at the time i was under 18 and obviously you can't go to a bar when you're you know under 18 you right know, which i never had so it was at the mercy 
of all ages shows or mm-hmm. 18 plus or 17 plus or 16 right. plus and having to ha- get a wristband and having to get a, you know, a, a you know, a, 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 a stamp on your hand, which wouldn't wash off for like a yes. week afterwards. So you had like a, a stamp on your hand that wouldn't right. wash off. Uh, so a lot of like music festivals and like local shows. Uh, and to this day, um, I guess I still, I don't, and obviously, it, it's more socially acceptable to say this now as opposed to, um, but I, I just don't see the, the point of paying, you know, what's an average big ticket show now, like $50, $60, you know, minimum? Yeah, if not over 100 you know. Yeah, yeah. To, to, to pay to see the band that, from your vantage point, is the equivalent to like, you know, a hangnail. Yeah. And then having to, 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 you know, if you drove, having to navigate out the parking lot two hours or more, which is not uncommon, by the way, which is not uncommon if you, you know, depending on where, you know, where you see the show at and having to deal with the traffic and, and, and whatnot, and then compounding it. Sometimes there's maybe, so that just doesn't make sense. I mean, you know right. what I mean? Whereas if you go to a local show at a bar where you see, you know, maybe five or six bands with a $10 cover. Yeah. Some will be good. Some will be cover bands. Some won't be, some will be, you know, that makes more sense to me because then you can hang out with the band afterwards. You can say, Hey man, night, night, nice set. And you can't do that. You know, and that's just the, the nature of, you know, music being what it is. I mean, you, you can't go to, you know, um, a Springsteen concert and after the show, go up to them, you know, unless you maybe win a ticket, you know, exactly. a, 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 yeah. you know, and then, you know, except for that, you can't really go up to them afterwards and say, hey, hey, Bruce, you know, I enjoyed this. You can't really do that, really. So, Whereas if it's a local local show, you kind yeah. of get that. Inter- so I so I, I, I've always liked that interaction between the artist and the audience. That's one that, that has always resonated with me. There was a time right when. Um, right before we had Chris and then right maybe after we had Chris. So we're talking Mm -hmm. 87 to like 92, 93, uh, where Linda and I uh, were very active in the, and in the Dallas local band fandom, there was a, there's a band that still exists today, Brave Combo. Brave Combo is awesome. they, They are still around. Yes, they are. Oh, they are legendary. uh, Yes. And so we would go see Brave Condo anytime they'd play. A lady named Sarah Hickman, who we have remained friends with. Uh, You know, uh, the new Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians were big then, you know, uh, other bands. And you would go, and I would make the joke that um, if you, and don't get me wrong, I loved you know, going to see Billy Joel when he was touring, you know, and getting that full experience and hearing the hits, uh, you know, um, in other big bands, you know, you would go and see, but you didn't get to, you didn't get to go up to Billy Joel after the show and say, hey, great show, Billy. And he's like, oh, okay, are you on my mailing list? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, good, I appreciate it. And uh where they go and back and go, oh, it's Jesse, it's good to see you again, you know, because they would remember you. Um, So there is that beauty. And I think absolutely I miss going to Springsteen. And and if you have never seen a Springsteen show, I do recommend, Brian, that you 
take the money and go through the traffic and yeah. all the joys to see that well, experience. Yeah, and that's and that's one example where he it, it would be worth it. I mean, right. no question about it. Yeah, that's definitely good because he's he's. Um, and he and and it's funny you mentioned that because he is someone who, and again, just as we're recording, he's got something with the Killers, I believe. Yes, he just yeah. they so just put out a new song. Who, yeah, yeah, who who has been like I said, does have that track record. Yeah, of being supportive of other artists and yeah. and and be so. Yeah, so you're absolutely right. He he yeah. does have that tradition. But um, there is so let's just throw that aside. Um, there is something about going to a small little pub, Port David's pub or, you know, wherever, you know, the local band and hear someone where you pay maybe 20 bucks to hear this touring, you know, this touring band. Or as you say, you go to a, a club and it's just a local cover band, you know, and maybe they do a couple of new songs or maybe they don't. And it's just, uh, I think the pandemic, we've all missed that. We've missed going to hear live music yeah. and just enjoying that energy and, and magic of someone performing for us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, so um, let's go back to the podcast a little bit. What are future plans? What are you, what have you got coming up and what are you planning to continue to do with the podcast? Um, that's a good question. One of the things that, and I know I sound like a complete idiot when I say this, but one of the things that I've been interested in probably more and more since starting the podcast is there is a whole other area of mental um, health and mental illness advocacy, which I had not, had not really been aware of. And that is family members of and caregivers of yeah. uh, loved ones with, you know, schizophrenia or with, you know, whatever it can be, yeah. um, who are dealing with getting treatment for their loved ones, working with, uh, you know, the doctors, working with, with, with the courts to get um, court-ordered treatment mm -hmm. for them. I know that there has been in mental health circles, a lot of debate about, oh, well, are they consenting to it or, or whatnot? And this is a situation where you're dealing with someone's life. Yeah. <laughs> are they going to be, are they going to be dead or are they going to be? So yeah. in, in that situation, and again, we're talking about a very, a very specific uh, population, very specific demographic. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not in a position to tell you know, a family member, oh, sorry, you can't get treatment for, for, for your loved one. Mm -hmm. uh, so situations like that, where there has been ongoing discussions about um, how, how we treat the, the, the most serious mentally ill in our society. Yeah. And so that aspect of it is something that I found more and more, um, you know, fascinating, because no one really thinks about that. I mean, there's, there's often yeah. the, you know, the, the first party advocacy where if you know where you yourself know that something's not right and, and you're seeking out help and whatnot that that's one thing but i think if we're if we're telling people that you're not alone and there are people who care which is all true you know because of those yeah. listening who are feeling down you know you're, you're not alone uh but i think if, if we're telling people that there should be some proof or evidence of that so that if people say oh, oh really <laughs> you really care about me and whatnot yeah that, that we'd be able to show that there are people out there 
who are busting their tails off to get treatment for you. There are people busting their tails off to get uh, more, more funding for services, to get more funding for whether it's the more, you know, severely mentally ill or whether it's the, you know, the, you know, so, so just that, 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 that wide range of uh, perspective is something that I really hadn't thought about when I first started the podcast. Okay. It's something that I'm much more sensitive to now than I was before. Um, but yeah, so I would say, I would say that, I mean, there's, Okay. The one drawback to that is that many of the parents of and, and family and, and, and mothers of side of it have been extremely hostile to me. Hmm. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why they take about that. I mean, yeah. many of them, like I said, I, I, you know, and I know they've been through a hard time and whatnot, but if someone's reaching out to help, if someone's reaching out to learn more about what their family's been through, you know, my first reaction if someone's helping, you know, reaching out to me to find out is not to like attack the person and be rude and hostile. Mm-hmm. It's to go, oh, okay, so, so there's someone reaching out to help. So, so I guess that would be the answer to your question. Uh, I'm, I'm, and then also, I'm also fascinated by a lot of area of mental health that's, um, uh, you know, almost like a, like an you know outside the diagnostic model. In, yeah. in other words, where there's, you know, oh, someone's bipolar or someone's, you know, got a, got a diagnostic label. I think that, um, th- I think those dialogues also are extremely um, just fascinating because that's, I, I've, from a background where the labels were always seen as like the norm and that's yeah. the way it's supposed to be. And I'm really, really growing partial to letting people decide for themselves how they get to respond to something. You know what I mean? I do. Like I do. rather than giving someone, you know, one size fits all. Yeah. Recognizing that there are going to be differences because not everybody's the same. You know, what works for you isn't right. necessarily work for me, isn't going to necessarily work for someone listening. And yeah. so I, I really, and, and, and the thing that to answer your question, um, I see a lot of voices and perspectives that are, are often discounted and marginalized. And I think, and again, if we're telling people you're not alone, but yet there's something that could help them feel less alone. I think it's worth it to allow those voices to the table because for example, if there's people who hate taking meds, and they've worked, you know, and I want to emphasize with your doctors, you know, keeping yeah. your doctor in the loop. If there's people who hate meds and they feel like they're all by themselves, no one else hates their meds too, that's a problematic scenario. And I think, and conversely, those who are figuring out, a, you know, a game plan with their meds, same with that. They often will feel alone, much yeah. as those who are struggling with their meds will often feel alone. And I think in both instances, there's an obligation. If we tell people you're not alone, then show that perspective so they have proof of that. that that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and I know like one of the things that you do in every one of your podcasts at least twice is you you give resources and where people can go. And uh, I will, um, when we wrap things up, I'll give you that, uh, I'll give you a little heads up to go ahead and have that blurb ready uh, that you share. Oh. <laughs> so uh, that, because I want to do that. Um, so uh, are there, um, 
what have I not asked you that I should have asked you, Brian? Let me let's put it that way. Oh, What's a good question um, I should ask you that I shouldn't have? I don't I don't know. I, I'm just happy to be here. Um, I know that I was sort of going back and forth as far as I couldn't decide on which artist yeah. you're about to mention. So yeah. um, I wasn't sure if you, if you were going to ask me that or if. Sure, go ahead. Just talk anything, any music. Yeah. Any bands you want to promote that have musicians that have brought you joy and comfort, please bring them up. Yeah, the one the one that has brought me particularly um, joy and happiness is there's a, a band, a, a, a band, a Scottish band called Frightened Rabbit. Frightened and Rabbit. They okay. have a reputation. I don't know. I don't agree with this reputation. I might add, I do not agree with this reputation at all. But they have a reputation of being a band like, um, you know, like Radiohead or a band like, you know, John and Blake on any other example as okay. being depressing or being okay. like, like very melancholy. And I've never found Frightened Rabbit to be melancholy or depressing at all. I found them to be very uplifting and very joyous and very celebratory. Okay. Um, the thing that uh, the, the, is related to mental health, particularly, is uh, Scott Hutchinson from Frightened Rabbit uh, was someone who 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 um, is no longer with us and did have a lot of personal demons that that he he dealt with. But mm-hmm. I remember when I heard. Um, actually a couple of uh winter of mixed drinks uh one of their their breast albums and also just, just example after example midnight organ fright you remember hearing the the these al- the, these songs you know whether it's the the, the modern leper or um the swim until you can't see land a lot of the the lyrics just had a very hopeful tone to it Okay. So they're you know you know old old fashioned, uh, um, in living color, uh, you know there's so many songs where the lyrics and the music both sort of had that sort of cynical view, but it also had a very hopeful outlook. If if that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking. I just did a quick search and I found their website. Yeah. What is there one album you recommend? us to start out with or is there yeah i would say a lot of people would say midnight organ fight that i don't think is their best album i think their best album is winter of mixed drinks there is not a bad track on that album at all okay Um, things swim until east and kenzie land the loneliness and the scream the wrestle skip the youth nothing like you okay no not a bad track on the album um what about them spoke to you when you heard on uh, them why did it speak to you well because i i hadn't heard anything like that um they okay. were they're clearly in the in the indie rock category they they were yeah. inevitably signed to a major label but they still are in that that indie rock category but the fact that it had a a distinct point of view um, I think, well, to answer, to answer your question, a couple of the songs have some F-bombs in there, okay. just in the, in, the, in the unlikeliest of places, like just a, a verse or two, and they just nonchalantly slip in a, an F-bomb or something like that. So that's right off the bat, some of the language issues and the lyrics, I noticed. Sometimes if, you know, like I said, I don't know what the, what the, what the reason was for that, why they didn't, you know, 
and they were on a major record label by that point. So there's nothing really to gain by, you know, dropping in an F bomb or two in some of the, the um, and this is, and I just want to clarify, this is maybe like, I want to say four or five, not a whole lot of songs that are language um, minded, but, but yeah, but to answer your question, no, just the fact that it was, and, and the song titles, even the song titles were um, like the modern leper or heads will roll or which didn't really match the, the, the sound of the song didn't really match what the song title was. You hear a song called Heads Will Roll, you think it's going to be like a, a raging heavy metal song. Heads Will Roll was obviously, a, you know, not a heavy metal song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just found, um, you know, and still do find their music very distinctive. Um, and it definitely is something that it had a distinct reaction to. It's a band that those who hear them have a definitive reaction, yay or nay. And I like music like that, where you hear, you know, the first few bars going in, I'm going to like this song or no, I'm not going to like this song. Yeah. They are definitely a band that has, you know, forces you to decide, do I like this or not? And Mm -hmm. it's just, they, they, um, I'm, I'm, I'm on their, their, um, you know, I got stung by them. I guess that'd be the way of putting it. That's very cool. Do um have do that had they toured? Had you been able to see them live? They I, I was not able to see them live. There was a volcano. Um, you know, we talked about COVID, but there was there was a, a volcano eruption, I think, in Europe at the time, and a lot of flights out of Europe were grounded. It, w- it was going on at that time. So they had scheduled a show during that mm-hmm. time. Um, I believe they had been here in the States for either South by Southwest or okay. CMJ. CMJ, I think, had they had not gone under by that time. So CMJ was still around when they were mm-hmm. around. But there, I believe they had done some U.S. appearances. Okay. I was not able to see them at the time. I wish I had. Um, but they, like I said, they are just... Um, and there's so many good bands out of Scotland too. Also, yeah. I might add, um, you know, Jesus and Mary Chain. You know, Simple Minds are from 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 Scotland. Yeah. Uh, just example after example. So that also is they 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 arrived on U.S. shore just from a tradition of like so much good music from Scotland. Mm-hmm. And so that right there, they've already got someone of, of, of a pedigree coming in. And I'm, I'm sure there's some bands out of Scotland that, Glass Vegas, another one, Glass yeah. Vegas, a band out of Scotland that, that I love. I'm sure there's got to be some bands from Scotland that, 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 that suck. I can't, <laughs> but I you can't, haven't found one. Yet. I can't think of any. <laughs> That's I really interesting. can't That's think great. of any. There's a lot yeah. of bands from England that, that suck, obviously, but I cannot think of a band that I've heard of out of Scotland that does not suck. They've all been really, really amazing, um, amazing talent. I, I don't know have what to they've ask. got in the water in Scotland, but that's there is interesting. So <laughs> no, I mean, my yeah. my my friend Terry Smith does a podcast, a music talks where you pick a song from every decade you've been alive, and he is from Scotland, and so I will have to ask him about uh, Frightened Rabbit, and and I'll also share him your theory that 
as far as he knows, you know, and he, he might be able to say, well, here, here's a couple of bands <laughs> that didn't quite make the cut of him being I'm from I, I've never, I can't think of any other region in the, I can't think of any other region in the world. Yeah. Where, that's interesting. Like consistently. Yeah. Everything I hear just blows me away. I can't think of any other region in the world. It, it's, it's Scotland. That's perfect. <laughs> I love that. That is such a great way. All I'm right. Rabbit being part of it. Yeah. I didn't mean to. Yeah. No, no, that's awesome. All right. Uh, we are wrapping up. We are getting close to an hour. Uh, but I did want to ask you the Mary question. And so here's the premise for those of you who, this may be the first time you're listening to the podcast because you're a friend and a fan of Brian. Uh, in Bruce Springsteen's song, Thunder Road, uh, Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area. He just recently retired, but he would every year have his honors English class, his seniors take the poem Thunder Road, which is, and go through all the lyrics, discuss the imagery that Bruce uses, discuss the themes of the poem. They would compare it to other poems, including uh, Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. And uh, after a two-day discussion, would come back and ask the question, does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? So Brian, that is your question. Does Mary well, get in the car? I would say no. Okay. And for a couple of reasons. Um, there does need to be somewhat of, 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 of a mystique, I guess it would, would that be the, be the right word. Right. Um, and again, speaking in contemporary context, uh, that probably wouldn't be a smart thing to do these days, but okay. that's a universally and, and, and time honored answer too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because sure. once she gets in the car, then it, it it there's so many different roads that you know no no pun intended roads no no but it's true like, um, it, you know what happens after and they lived happily ever after yeah yeah right? and the question is and and by the way it's about sixty forty about sixty percent say yes she gets in the car about forty percent say no no she doesn't that she's either too afraid to make that choice she decides that. Um, she's not going to settle. He hasn't made enough case for it. Um, you know, she wants someone who thinks she's more than just, hey, you ain't a beauty, but you're all right. I mean, you know, there's a whole lot of reasons. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a very good answer, Brian. Yeah, and I, I think it would be more consistent with, and it's weird talking about like Bruce not being consistent with, with her like real life, but I yeah. think that would be consistent with real life is that there mm -hmm. would be that um, sense of fear and that sense of um, should I or should I not. Yeah. And I think if she, if she did get in the car, then that would almost like invalidate <laughs> a lot of, a lot of the, the, the lyric, you know what I mean? Okay, sounds great. Oh, yeah. Brian, this was so much fun. I appreciate it. You were uh, you were kind enough uh, when I was, you know, as I was going through my um, recovering from surgery, I put the word out. I said, hey, I'm going to need guests. And you jumped on and signed on and said, hey, I'd love to talk to you again. So I appreciate that, Brian. Okay. Um, tell people how they can find you and your podcast. Um, podcast is mental health film comments and it's everywhere you can find podcasts i know that there is a pod page 
dot com, and then it'll be slash mental health film comment. Okay. Um, and I, I always want to emphasize, you know, the, the wellness and, and the health. Yeah. So um, honestly, I don't care if anyone listens to the podcast or not. Um, I do care about pe- people feeling better and, and feeling happier. Um, so I, I did want to just, just briefly mention the, the crisis text line. Please do. Um, which is, um, and I should have that. In front. Oh, yeah. Um, in the U.S., 741741. That's in the U.S. seven four one seven four one. In the U.K. eight five two five eight, and the suicide prevention hotline in the U.S. is one eight hundred two seven three talk. And I know NAMI National Alliance on Mental Illness uh, and also MadInAmerica.com um, would would set you in the right direction as far as finding resources. I think that is wonderful, and I I, I appreciate it. And I I remember when I was on your podcast, you made a point of adding that. And that's why I wanted to give you the chance here on this podcast. Um, we are, I, I think you're doing great work. Oh, I think you're you trying to bring awareness that the diversity of people that are struggling mentally and that there are, um, as you said, there is not one size fits all. And that working together with your health professionals to find the right path for your uh, well-being is vital. Um, and I think more importantly, don't be afraid to ask for help. There is, um, all of us have feel, have been challenged and all of us at times can feel um, like things are really, um, you know, I just, I'm going to flat say hopeless and, and the reality is it isn't. Okay. And, uh, um, you know, and, and so I, I've been going back and forth a, a lot lately with a song that is not very well known by Bruce, but, um, and so I'm going to end with this lyrics. Um, this is your sword is a song that was on his high hopes album. And uh, the song ends with in the days of despair, you can grow hard till you close your mind and empty your heart. If you find yourself staring into the abyss Hold tight to your loved ones and remember this. This shield will protect your sacred heart. This sword will defend from what comes in the dark. Should you grow weary on the battlefield, do not despair. Our love is real. This is your sword. This is your shield. This is the power of love revealed. And give all the love that you have in your soul. And give all the love that you have in your soul. I wish you, my friend, all the love that I have in my heart for you, continued success. And thank you so much for all the work you're doing and um, and making it where it's entertaining. And it's not just, a, yeah. not just a drum, drum, drum story. So good job, my friend. Well, thank you. Thank you for um, having me on. All right. And listeners, you stay strong. Remember, go get your shot, get vaccinated. Uh, till then, remember to wear your mask, wash your hands, remember social distance, because the only way we're going to get back to normal is by helping each other and being there for each other. For now, take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Thank you to my Patreons, Andrew Goddard, Betsy Hodges, Levi Petri, Elizabeth Bronson, Stephen Malio, Holly Mack, Steve Rogers, Dale Hosick, Terry Smith, Anna Lynn, Chris Bloom, and Mary Thomas.
you all are my monthly angels. Thank you so much for the love and support you give on this podcast. You are greatly appreciated. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listing Bruce. Set Listing Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.